Welcome to the brand new Patriots and Pinstripes podcast, the official podcast of the New York Yankees AA affiliate Somerset Patriots. And the Patriots have won it! Somerset! My name is Mark Schwartz. On this show, I'll cover all things Somerset Patriots and New York Yankees, from the organizational structure all the way down to the prospects, the AA Northeast League, and everything in between. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. This week, we'll take a look back at the series against the Reading Fight Phils. The Patriots took five of six against Reading. And this coming week, they will host the Bowie Bay Sox, a team we've long looked forward to. They have Adley Rutschman, one of the top prospects in baseball, a really solid team over in the Southwest Division. And finally, to end our show, we'll take a look back at the crazy week in trades and the trade deadline that was and just how that impacts the Patriots and the rest of the Yankees system. That's all coming up on the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Who wants to play baseball? Let's go! Yes, sir! Alrighty, Brandon Pelter with Mark Schwartz. Mark, fresh off a road trip to Reading, Pennsylvania, and Somerset took five of six. They got back on track as we start the week. They're tied for first in the Northeast Division. Big bats early on, some Michael Beltre, Dermis Garcia even getting in the mix with a few home runs and some really strong pitching late in the series. Yeah, it's, uh, you know what, the Patriots did what they needed to do this week. We talked going into this week, Brandon, about how this was one of only two opponents that Somerset had left on their schedule that had a sub-500 record. They needed to go in, they needed to win the series, and honestly, they needed to, I felt, take about five of six. And that's what they were able to do. And the one loss that they had uh, was a close game where they had the tying run at the plate, uh, or rather the tying run on base in the 7th, 8th, and ninth innings on Wednesday night. Uh, but they've won each of their last four games, the last couple uh, more considerably than the, uh, the first couple of games of the series. But it was important for Somerset to get the job done this week and take five of six. Uh, and we'll get into it later, but the way that the Portland Sea Dogs have been playing lately, the way that the Akron Rubber Ducks have been playing lately, even the Erie Seawolves, who own an overall season series lead and tiebreaker over the Patriots, the way all of those teams have been playing lately, Somerset needs to keep pace. And, you know, we'll get into the trade deadline as well, but the Patriots were hurt this week, and some other teams were bolstered uh, in the Northeast League. So, Somerset taking five of six against the Reading Fighting Phils uh, was certainly uh, what this team needed. Uh, you mentioned the bats. Uh, Michael Beltre had two home runs and six RBI over his first two games of the series. Dermis Garcia probably had the biggest hit overall of the series. It came on Thursday night with the Patriots trailing in that ballgame 3-2 to two going into the seventh inning. And the two teams had split the first two games of the series. And then Garcia with a grand slam on Thursday night in the seventh inning, put the Patriots in front 6-3, to three, and then he also added an RBI double in the ninth inning to top off a career-high five RBI performance for him, and the Patriots wound up letting a, uh, a 7-3 lead creep back to a 7-6 lead, and the Phils had the bases loaded in the bottom of the ninth inning on Thursday night, so the Patriots needed every single inch 
of that five RBI performance from Dermis Garcia. So the bats came to play early on. There's even more bats. Max Bird has been playing really well. Isaiah Gilliam, too. Um, Jesus Bastidas, who hasn't been in the lineup the last couple of days. And the team finished the series strong over the weekend, but they did what they needed to do this week. I want to key in on Max Burt, a guy who, when he got transferred to Somerset, was an impact in the lineup, and we saw him nearly every single day over at third base. And then with Oswald Peraza getting called up a few different changes for Somerset and an injury for Burt as well, he kind of saw himself on the outside looking in this Past week, though, due to some of the trades, Diego Castillo getting uh, sent away, uh, being the, the biggest thing for Burt, played in five games, went 7 for 17, a homer, four RBI, a couple stolen bases in there as well. Overall, he hit 412, reached base at an above a 500 clip. You think we can expect to kind of continue? continue to see him in an everyday role for Somerset? Well, it's interesting right now. I think the playing time comes down to Max Burt and Jesus Bastidas. Bastidas has played very well for the Patriots. He's reached base safely in every game at the AA level so far. Um, you know, So Bastidas has been strong. Over the last couple of days, Bastidas has been out of the lineup, so Burt's been getting more regular playing time. Uh, but Burt right now is riding a seven-game hit streak. He's hitting 375 over that hit streak dating back to July 23rd. Um, you know, you, you can't expect him to get on base at a 500 clip for the rest of the season. But we've been impressed, or at least I don't want to speak for you, Brandon. I've been impressed mm -hmm. with Max Burt at a number of times this year. I think he is excellent defensively at third base. He's got a strong arm. He's got solid range. He's got a good glove. It was on full display this week in Reading as well. And, you know, with the bat, he's typically a guy that's going to hit seventh or eighth in the order. So you're reaching base at a 500 clip, batting seventh or eighth. That's huge. And, you know, there's going to be a dip. There was a time in early July when he initially came off of the injured list after spending a couple of weeks on it uh, where he got off to a really st slow start in July. Sometimes he could have a long swing. Sometimes he's a little all or nothing uh, from the right-handed batter's box. But the swing is shortened over this seven-game uh, hit streak. Uh, certainly a strong series in Reading. And, you know, as long as there's playing time available, and I'm thinking, you know, at this point, and we'll talk about the prospects later, but, you know, there was a guy like Ezekiel Duran had a chance to come up and start to really buy into some playing time here in Somerset. And that's not obviously going to be the case anymore. So you're looking at an infield moving forward for the foreseeable future, at least, with, you know, Oswald Peraza at short. And then you have Oswaldo Cabrera, who is rotating either between second base or third base. Both of those guys are everyday players, you know. And then you have Jesus Bastidas that fills one of those gaps. You have Max Burt who primarily plays third base or first base. And, you know, he'll take first on days where Dermis Garcia can't be in the lineup, but Garcia is still an everyday player. So I, I would imagine that you see Burt maybe three or four days a week. You see Bastidas three or four days a week. They split the playing time. Uh, but both at least over the last couple of weeks, have been big-time contributors for Somerset. Let's turn the page and look at the pitchers as we always do. They are the headliners for this Patriots team, and Ken Waldachuk just continues to shine for Somerset. He had that lengthy streak, the scoreless streak, to start the season in Hudson Valley. Lost it in his very first start here with the Patriots, but boy, has he picked it up. He threw six scoreless frames, allowing just four hits a few nights ago. Yeah, Waldachuk, uh, you know, there's been times where he has struggled a little bit with his command. And uh, this start this week 
was not one of those times. Uh, he had all of his pitches working, and he's really been creeping up some of these prospect lists. I believe on Baseball America, he's now the number 19 ranked prospect in the New York Yankees organization when they redid their midseason rankings. So six shutout frames, seven strikeouts, 91 pitches. Now, we, we should apply a caveat to this. Uh, this Reading fight in Phil's lineup is not one of the stronger lineups in the league. So it was a game that was set up well for Waldachuk initially, but he did what he needed to do. He struck out seven, uh, only those four hits. He didn't allow any extra base hits, only allowed two guys to get into scoring position. And, you know, in a lineup, in a game where the Patriots need to win against a lineup that's been struggling, Waldachuk was aggressive. He was attacking only two walks uh, in the entirety of his outing, uh, which was certainly promising to see. Somerset, that was their 13th shutout of the season, and that uh, leads the way for all teams in the minors. The pitching staff, uh, as we mentioned, Waldachuk got it started. Then Ron Marinaccio, who has been a familiar face when it comes to Patriots shutouts through two and two-thirds scoreless frames before Michael Gomez got the final out in that contest. Yeah, Marinaccio has now appeared. It's wild, right? Uh, there's been 13 shutouts this season. Marinaccio has pitched in 10 of them. And it's not a coincidence anymore. Uh, you know, of course, Marinaccio can't control what the score is of the game when he enters. But, you know, he's had such a strong season where it's not a surprise that, you know, when you lean on the bullpen to bridge the gap to the end of the game, because I don't think we're going to see a single Somerset Patriots starting pitcher throw a complete game this year, unless there's a rain-shortened game or it's a seven-inning game and a doubleheader. Uh, I just don't see any way that any pitcher on this team throws nine innings. So you need guys that can bridge the gap and finish off the game. And Marinaccio, by and large, you know, we, we had guys like Greg Weissert at the beginning of the season, who was excellent. And then Weissert was transferred up to AAA Scranton-Wilkesbury. And Steven Ridings filled that hole. And Ridings was even better than Weissert. <laughs> and uh, now Ridings is pitching really well with, uh, with Scranton as well. And then you have Ron Marinaccio, and he's been more of a constant throughout the season. He got off to such such a terrific start in that first game back on May 4th, striking out seven batters, coming out of the bullpen. So he was used more as a long reliever earlier in the season, and now he's being leaned on late. But every time he comes in, it's usually for at least a six-out save. And it's been so important for Somerset lately because this pitching staff is short. Somerset, you take away Wandy Peralta, uh, from the games earlier this week, the Patriots only had 23 men on their active roster. You are allowed in this league to have 28. So the Patriots were significantly understaffed. So what happens is you have these pitchers that can go one inning, but tend to go more. Marinaccio, one of them. So he comes on for six out saves instead of three out saves. You have somebody like Zach Green, who always goes two innings. Addison Russ, who we saw as a back-end relief pitcher uh, for a while in the Patriots' last homestand, he's now getting stretched out where he's working two, two and a third, two and two-thirds outings. This entire pitching staff is being stretched out a little bit more. I would anticipate that now that we're past the trade deadline, that there's going to be more movement mm -hmm. and that Somerset will have some reinforcements so they don't have to lean on these arms to throw multiple innings and you know they'll have more variety in the bullpen because there's certainly space on the roster. 
Um, that's a tangent, but Ron Marinaccio <laughs> has been very, very strong for Somerset this year. Well, it does seem like uh, additional help is uh, a necessity, not really something that they'd like to have, but something this Patriots team needs if they want to stay competitive. The last pitcher that I want to hit touch on briefly is Wandy Peralta making uh, some Major League Rehab appearances. He was in two games for Somerset this past week. Yeah, he came on. He made his first relief appearance earlier in the week. Uh, that was what it was. Was it Thursday night for the Patriots? He came on after Hayden Wesneski uh, worked five innings, and uh, you know for Wesneski, uh, he was almost as strong as he's been all season long over his first four. But how many times have we talked about a pitcher struggling in the fifth inning for Somerset as a starting pitcher this year? And Wesneski wound up allowing the uh, the first four batters that he reached that he faced in the fifth inning to reach, and ultimately allowed three runs over five innings. But while Wandy Peralta came on. In relief of Wesneski on that Thursday night ball game, scoreless inning, uh, one walk, one strikeout. He threw 18 pitches, really nothing to write home about. The last time that he was on the mound, he was the starting pitcher for the Patriots on a Saturday night. Uh, Luis Medina was initially supposed to be the starting pitcher, and then they decided they wanted Peralta to throw the first inning, get his inning out of the way, and then Medina came on afterwards. And Peralta looked really good on Saturday night. He had his breaking ball working. He had his fastball working. Uh, he would lift his leg and change up his delivery home to throw off the timing of the batters. He ultimately struck out the side, only faced three batters, uh, through 14 pitches, each strikeout was of the swinging variety. It was a very impressive performance from Peralta. Uh, we don't know if he'll be back here in Somerset for another appearance. We, re- we record this on Monday. Uh, it's certainly possible uh, after throwing two innings for the Patriots, one on Thursday, one on Saturday. Uh, but as long as he's here, that's a major league arm that can eat an inning and, and put together a really strong performance. And potentially, if he does continue his rehab, you might want a little more length out of him, too. I mean, we saw there were days where Zach Britton was slated to go more than an inning and the pitch count crept up so he didn't get there. But that certainly is in the cards as well. Maybe you get Peralta to a point where he's throwing two innings for Somerset. We'll see if that is the case. But this past week, the Patriots took five of six against the Reading Fight and Fills. When we come back, we're talking Bowie Bay Sox have some of the biggest names in the AA Northeast League. You certainly won't want to miss it here on the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Discover the future you at Centenary University. Visit an upcoming virtual information session to learn more about flexible degree or certificate programs online or in person through Centenary Choice. Centenary offers small class sizes, individualized attention, thousands of dollars in scholarships, classes just for returning adults, and new programs including public health, computer science, supply chain management, and certified financial planning. Learn more about how you can earn your degree on your busy schedule. Centenary University. Discover the future you. At RWJ Barnabas Health, we have a passion for heart health. With the largest adult and pediatric cardiac surgery programs in the state, a heart transplant program that's top 15 in the nation, a partnership with Rutgers Health, the latest technology and medical advancements and nationally renowned care for every heart in every one of our communities. Whoever your heart beats for, our hearts beat for you. Let's be healthy together. Visit rwjbh.org slash heart.
All right, the Patriots start a six-game set, the beginning of a 12-game homestand here over the next two weeks. It all begins with the Bowie Bay Sox. The Patriots wrap it up with the Portland Sea Dogs, but for now, let's hone in on Bowie, a very good team toward the top in uh, all of the AA Northeast League. They're just two games back of Akron in the Southwest Division. Mark, I guess before we get directly into Bowie, let's take a, a step back and look at the overall standings for the AA Northeast League because, believe it or not, this season we've got, what, a month and a half left? That's it. So uh, the clock is ticking. The Patriots with that big series against Reading have evened things up in the Northeast Division with Portland, the Sea Dogs were on such a torrid pace. They had 115 straight going back uh, a week or so, entering last week, kind of evened out a bit, going 5-5 five and five in their last 10. The Patriots, though, have picked up the pace, and they are also a half game back in total record behind the Akron Rubber Ducks, who lead the Southwest Division, only mentioning that because, of course, the playoffs are the top Two teams, regardless of division, all based on records. So as we take a look at this, uh, these standings, Mark, what kind of jumps out to you and what position do you think the Patriots are in coming down the home stretch? I think the Patriots are in a tough division or a tough position, I should say. And uh, the reason I say that, the Patriots just took five of six from Reading. We talked last week. We already talked in this podcast about how that was pretty much what they needed to do. But they've got such a tough schedule left. Starting tomorrow, with the beginning of this 12-game series, the Patriots, they have 24 games left against the two top teams in the Southwest Division. They have 12 games left against Bowie, who they welcome in on Tuesday, and they have 12 games left against Akron, who's been the hottest team in the league. They've won nine of their last 10 ball games, and they have the best overall record in the league. If you then take the Portland Sea Dogs series into account, mm -hmm. Somerset has 30 games left against the top three records in the league, aside from their own record. That is far and away the toughest schedule left for any team in the in the league. So with the Patriots, yes, they've been playing better. They've won eight of their last 10 ball games, and they find themselves going into the Bowie series, a season best 19 games over 500. It's a new high watermark for Somerset, which is great, which is fun. Uh, but, you know, to be, if we're talking honestly here, Brandon, if the Patriots went up against almost any other team in the AA Northeast League last week, I don't think that we're looking at this team having won four in a row, having won eight of the last 10, because they were hurt by the trade deadline. They've been short staffed, and, you know, there's a lot of guys that have been contributing, but, you know, Redding's not a, not a great team. So, with the way that Somerset has their schedule lined up going into this series, and I'm looking at the standings here, you know, the Patriots have won eight of their last 10 ball games, and that's allowed them to just keep pace with Portland. It's allowed them to keep pace with Akron. They haven't gained any ground on Akron. In fact, they've won eight of their last 10 games, and they've lost a game on Akron over the last 10. Uh, it's allowed them to keep pace with Bowie. Uh, they do have a better record than the Bowie Bay Sox, but Bowie is certainly right there, and this is a very important series for them as well. So Somerset has kept pace by winning games against opponents that they should win. Now, we're going to find out a lot more about this team uh, in this series against Bowie. And moving forward between Bowie and between Akron, those are going to be tough opponents. And we don't know what the roster is going to look like for this Patriots team the rest of the way. 
Uh, but considering how tough their schedule is and also how easy the Portland Sea Dogs schedule is the rest of the way, you know, things get tougher for Somerset and things stay easy for Portland. After the the Sea Dogs are in town to play the Patriots next week, they don't have to face another team with an above 500 record the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. So think about it like this. You know, after this 12-game homestand wraps up, uh, the Patriots still have a six-game series in Altoona. They've got 12 games they have to play against Akron. They've got a six-game series in Bowie, and they do have one homestand against the Hartford Yard Goats. But for Portland, after they're here next week, they don't have to face any other team with an above 500 record the rest of the way. So to circle back to your initial question, uh, I think the Patriots are in a tough spot. It's nice to feel good about them right now, 19 games over 500, but there is still a lot of work that needs to be done. It's almost weird to say. I mean, you mentioned 19 games over 500, but there's just no room to breathe. There is no opportunity for Somerset to take their foot off the gas and such little room for error on an individual player basis because, as you've already mentioned and we've discussed, they only have 23 on the roster right now. Now, we do hope that that changes either later today on Monday or prior to uh, the game on Tuesday and they get some reinforcements, but Right now, that's still to be determined. So as we check out this Bowie Bay Sox team, 46-30 and 30 on the season, they're a game and a half behind Somerset and a Baltimore Orioles uh, af- affiliate and in a Baltimore organization that they've had so many struggles uh, in the last number of years in the AL East. Well, now the future looks as if it runs through Bowie, at least for this season. They have the top three prospects in all of uh, the Orioles organization. They also have Adley Rutschman and one of the top prospects in all of minor league baseball. Yeah, Adley Rutschman is a really, really impressive batter. And I think that there's a lot of Baltimore Orioles fans and minor league baseball fans that are clamoring and saying, what is he still doing in double A? <laughs> he has played the entire year in double A and has put up really strong numbers. The dude's batting 271. Keep in mind also, he's a catcher. And he's an excellent catcher defensively. He's batting 271 with 16 home runs, 15, uh, 51 runs batted in, and a 396 on base percentage. Now, the numbers have dipped a little bit in July. Uh, he hit 237 in the month of July uh, with five home runs and 18 RBI after hitting 290 in May, uh, or rather in June. He had 293 in May. So the numbers have been dipping a little bit. But Rutschman's, you know, he's made it. We were wondering for a while, you know, we had this Bowie Bay Sox series circled on our calendars knowing that Rutschman was on the team. And we were, you know, saying at the beginning of the season, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to make it. I'm not sure. And, you know, here he is. And there was a quote that came out from one of the uh, player personnel guys in the Orioles organization. I forget who uh, put it out on Twitter the other day. Basically a long quote saying that the Orioles have been happy with the work that Rutschman's been doing with the Bowie coaching staff. And when looking at how long Rutschman is going to stay at AA, one of the main factors this year, uh, which is unique to minor league baseball this season, is that the AAA season extends significantly past AA. There's that wacky, not-so-much-playoff series Mm -hmm. in AAA, but the extra couple of weeks added on to the season. So the Orioles organization is keeping that in mind with Rutschman, that they're not rushing him out of AA, understanding that if they really wanted him to get you know a couple of licks at the AAA level, they could do it 
after the double-A season concludes. And there are a few reasons that I think it kind of makes sense that he's still in double-A. One, that's where a lot of guys are going to spend their majority of their time, especially big prospects in the minor league ranks. That's where you're going to prove yourself. Two, we're coming off of a, an odd year in which there was no organized baseball for these minor leaguers last season. And I know it was a big question of ours coming into this year. How would the Yankees handle their affiliates and their minor leaguers as they climb the ranks? And it kind of seemed like for for New York, things are the status quo, but it's on an organizational basis how they decide to handle things, so that could be a factor. Then I think the third, as you mentioned, that weird AAA setup that they have going on gives Rutschman still, you know, maybe a good month if he gets called up in the last week or two of the double-A season to really flourish and have some good time to prove himself at the triple-A level. You mentioned the coaching staff. I think one interesting note, we saw Zach Britton here earlier in the season. His brother Buck is the uh, skipper over with Bowie, so we'll see him come into town. But there are, behind Rutschman, two top pitching prospects that we really look forward to in Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall. Yeah, let's uh, focus in on Grayson Rodriguez for a moment. He was the first-round draft pick by the Baltimore Orioles back in 2018. He was the 11th overall pick that year out of high school in Texas, and he has been tremendous this year. He began the season with high A Aberdeen, went 3-0 and with a 1.54 ERA, 40 strikeouts over 23 in the third innings, and then promptly got called up to Bowie. He's only 21 years old. He's made 10 starts with the Bay Sox, and uh, he's 4-1 and one with a 2.91 ERA. He's listed by Baseball America as the number two prospect in the Orioles organization. Uh, for a while, in uh, the Baseball America Top 100 rankings, he was the number one pitching prospect in all of baseball. Uh, according to Baseball America, he's got the best changeup in the Orioles organization. And uh, the scouting report on him just talks so favorably uh, about, you know, the kind of future that he has. Uh, he's got a chance to be a mid to top end of the rotation starting pitcher. Uh, he's got a 70 grade on his fastball can touch triple digits. He's got a 60 grade on his slider, 60 grade on his control. He has been tremendous. And, uh, you know, for a while, the Bowie Bay Sox have pretty much, and you can make an argument that they have the top hitting prospect in all of baseball, and the top pitching prospect in all of baseball. And you can't really say that too often, but sometimes in minor league baseball, the stars align in an organization where you get these guys that are coming up at the same time, and the stars have aligned for Bowie with Rushman and Rodriguez this season. Yeah, for D.L. Hall, likely done for the year with an elbow injury, but uh, a lot of really strong things for this Bowie team. So from a Patriots uh, perspective, how do you kind of handle this tough lineup? I mean, it almost reminds me a little bit of Erie and the Seawolves and the big bats that they brought into the series, but uh, Somerset found a way to kind of corral them. Yeah, the, the Patriots did have success. I mean, looking at some of the top prospects that Somerset has faced this season, you know, there's been some guys that have had a lot of success. We talk about Gabriel Moreno. Uh, and the success he had against Somerset. Spencer Torkelson, certainly in his one series here at TD Bank Ballpark, put on a show. He you know, he only played in four games and then left because of the Futures game, uh, but had a couple of home runs in that series and looked really strong. Aside from those two guys, you know, th there's been other top prospects that the Patriots have faced this year that they've been able to keep in check. Austin Martin didn't do too much against Somerset. Jordan Groshans didn't do too much. Bryson Stott has done very little against the Patriots 
in his time with the Reading fighting Phils, even Riley Green, you know, I think Riley Green had one standout game here at TD Bank Ballpark against Somerset. But aside from that, Green was held in check in his time with Erie going up against the Patriots. And Green's one of the top prospects in baseball as well. So, you know, it's going to be exciting to watch somebody like Adley Rutschman come in and, and go up against a pitcher in Grayson Rodriguez. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Rodriguez has a lot of success against this Somerset lineup. Uh, but in regards to Rutschman, you kind of take it as it comes, right? I mean, he's a guy that's probably going to pop one or two home runs. He's not going to hit for necessarily a huge average in his time here in Somerset. But you, know, you approach him like you do any other middle-of-the-order bat and you know see where it takes you. Well, the Patriots will certainly have their hands full with the Bowie Bay Sox who come to town. First pitch is Tuesday night at 7.05. They continue 7.05, starts through Saturday, and then Sunday a 5.05 beginning at TD Bank Ballpark. Be sure to get your tickets online at somersetpatriots.com. Also, give us a call at the ticket office, 908-252-0700, to come out and see some of the biggest names in all the minors that will feature in Bridgewater. But that's not it for the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. The Yankees were extremely active this past week around the trade deadline. We'll take a look at some of their moves, some of the other moves, and how they affect some double-A teams. All next on the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is brought to you by TD Bank. TD Bank is changing the game with curbside debit card replacement. Whether your debit card was lost in the couch or chewed up by your dog, we've got you covered. Just order a new debit card through the TD Bank app. Then you can walk, bike, or drive up to your nearby TD Bank to score your new card. Now that's the MVP treatment. TD Bank, proud sponsor of the Somerset Patriots. Member FDIC, TD Bank, N.A. Curbside pickup is only available for personal debit card replacements. Green Knoll Golf Course, located in Bridgewater Township and less than five minutes from Route 22, is the original Somerset County Park Commission course. Since 1960, golfers have enjoyed the rolling layout with slight elevation changes throughout the course. Green Knoll Golf Course also features a nine-hole pitch and putt course with holes ranging from 40 to 100 yards. Call 908-722-1301 or visit greennolgolf.com to book a tee time today. Well, it was a wild uh, last week across all of baseball, one of the most active trade deadlines that I can remember. Over 50 deals were made in plenty, uh, impacting the New York Yankees, and specifically the Somerset Patriots. In fact, that's how the week started on Monday when Hoy Park, a former Patriot and Current at the time, Patriot Diego Castillo were traded to the Pittsburgh Pirates for Clay Holmes. And then the final deal for the Yankees also involved Somerset, and that was two Patriots pitchers in Elvis Peguero and Jansen Juck, Junk being traded to the uh, Angels for Andrew Heaney. So that is uh, part of the reason that the Patriots were left short in last week's series against the Reading Fight and Phils. But so much happening this past week, Mark. It's been crazy. It's it's been nuts, and you know we probably should have been more privy to it at the beginning of the season when that Diego Castillo trade went down. I mean, we were all hanging out as a front office at the time that that uh, that trade was announced, and we had talked in the weeks leading up to this, like, hey, watch out for the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. R- remember, this year the trade deadline can affect the team. The trade deadline can affect the other teams in the league. 
and, and it's you, you talk about it, and then it becomes a reality where on Monday the week starts off with the Patriots' leadoff man and arguably their most consistent best hitter over the course of the entire season in Diego Castillo is not only traded away and is no longer on the team, but he's traded to another team in this league Mm -hmm. and is now playing and batting at the top of the order for the Altoona Curve, a team that I think both of us were pretty impressed with in their time here at TD Bank Ballpark a couple of weeks ago. So that started off the week, and it was like, okay, well, that's a tough loss. Everyone here loved Diego Castillo. He was struggling a little bit in the month of July, but he was the player of the month for the league in June. Great guy, top of the order, bad putting together a career season. Tough loss. Okay. And then we get through a couple of big trades in the Yankees organization that didn't involve the Patriots, and we'll get to those in a moment. And you're thinking, all right, well, they survived the Gallo trade. They survived the Rizzo trade. Maybe things are done. And you get to 3 o'clock on Friday, right? an hour before the trade deadline. Nothing. 3.15, 3.30, nothing. 3.45, news breaks that Andrew Heaney has been traded to the Yankees. And it's like, whoa, okay, who's going back to the Angels? Turns out it's Jansen Junk and Elvis Piguero. And uh, those are tough losses for Somerset. Um, just to start on Piguero, the Patriots' bullpen has been short-staffed as it already was with Piguero in the bullpen. And so losing him at that point in the week with not a lot of reinforcements available was certainly tough for Somerset. And I don't think enough people are talking about Elvis Piguero in this deal because I was very impressed mm-hmm. in his time here. I think, I mean, he's got a fastball that could get up to 97. He's got a really hard slider. He's got good life on his fastball. I think there's a chance that he can get up to the major leagues at some point over the next two, three years. Jansen Junk has gotten a lot of notoriety this year. Um, you know, He was not somebody that was talked about too much in prospect circles entering the 2021 season, but you can't not talk about him after the year that he's put together here in Somerset with uh, you know the best ERA in the league, one of the best ERAs among all qualified pitchers in minor league baseball. A great guy. We got to know him well here in Somerset. Uh, was really loved by the fan base here. Uh, I think the Yankees fans were starting to rally behind not only his numbers, but also his name. Every <laughs> time somebody posts something about Jansen Junk, you know, everyone on Twitter has fun with it. So, I mean, there, there's no sugarcoating it. Those were big losses for Somerset. I mean, Junk's been the best starting pitcher consistently all season long. Piguero's a back end of the bullpen guy. And uh, the Patriots are going to have to, you know, find new guys to step up now. Absolutely. I think one quick note that I want to circle back on that actually really just dawned on me, but now look at that Altoona infield. Mason Martin holds down first base, one of the best hitters in all the league, hitting in the 270s for average, leads the league in homers and RBI. Jiwon Bay had been their leadoff man consistently hitting in the 280s. They had O'Neal Cruz, the shortstop, who I believe is still on the injured list, but is a top prospect for the Pirates. And now you can slide in Diego Castillo, really wherever you want on that infield. They're going to be a really good sneaky team to beat here down the stretch. Yeah, they they just lost three in a row against the Harrisburg Senators, which is surprising because I'm 100% in agreement with you. I was impressed by that Altoona team and uh, adding Castillo. I mean, it worked out great for Altoona because they lost Rodolfo Castro, Mm -hmm. who, I mean, by the way, Rodolfo Castro (laughs) (laughs) and what he's been doing at the major league level has been tremendous. Um, 
but you know they they have Castro that's recalled to the major league level, and then oh here let's slide in the June Player of the Month in uh, you know Diego Castillo into Castro's spot. So that that is a strong lineup, and then you know looking at the outfield, they still have Kanan Smith and Jigba who's been hurt. He you know he hurt his hamstring uh, here in Somerset. They have Cal Mitchell who's been strong. Daniel Amaral as well. That is a very strong Altoona curve lineup. Uh, we'll see if the pitching holds up for them. But, you know, the Patriots have six more games against them, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if the curve are in the thick of the conversation to the very end. In that reference to Rodolfo Castro, he became the first player in Major League history to homer for his first five hits. Not one or two. His first five hits were for, for home runs. I think his first six were all extra base hits. Some other trades that didn't directly impact the Patriots, but certainly the Yankees organization. And Mark, I think there's some value to uh, kind of discussing them for the Joey Gallo trade, him being the most notable uh, coming from the Texas Rangers, although the Yankees also got Jolie Rodriguez. Glenn Otto, a former Patriot, went a guy that we really enjoyed seeing and has a lot of promise. His uh, career had been derailed a little by COVID, of course, but also uh, a blood clot back in 2018. Josh Smith, a top infielder. Ezekiel Duran, another really strong infielder. And then I think probably the biggest prospect that the Rangers were able to get was Trevor Hover out of that deal. All guys, uh, excluding Otto, were potential players that we would see either later this season or for sure next year. Yeah, it's uh, there was a lot that was given up. And, you know, it wasn't just quantity but as you mentioned there was good quality that was given up by the Yankees but you look at some of the players that were that were given up and it's in areas where the Yankees had depth in their minor league system mm-hmm. specifically along the middle infield Ezekiel Duran and Josh Smith both sent over in that Joey Gallo trade both of them middle infielders both of them significant prospects in the Yankees organization but i mean look at who's still left Right, Duran and Smith both had an opportunity, especially Duran, to come here to Somerset towards the end of the season. We were, at least in my mind, I was thinking that would be a significant reinforcement towards the end of the year for the Patriots, and that's no longer the case. But you trade away Duran, you trade away Smith, you still have Oswald Peraza, and you still have Anthony Volpe, mm-hmm. and Volpe has been tearing it up between Low A Tampa and High A Hudson Valley, and you know maybe Volpe gets here at the end of the year. I'll believe it when I see it. I think that they kind (laughs) of keep Volpe in high A Hudson Valley for the rest of the year because Peraza isn't going anywhere. Uh, So Peraza will finish off the year here and they want to make sure that Volpe has the playing time. Uh, But the Yankees, you know, they gave away some of their middle infield depth. They still have Peraza. They still have Volpe. And then, you know, Trevor Hover uh, got off to such a tremendous start, um, you know, with low A Tampa. But, you know, they, they still have Jason Dominguez. And they gave up Glenn Otto. They traded away Jansen Junk. They still have Luis Heel. They still have Luis Medina. They still have Clark Schmidt, uh, who uh, made another rehab assignment with Low A Tampa, I think, a couple of days ago. Uh, Davey Garcia has really struggled this year at the AAA level, so I'm not sure if some people have soured on him as a prospect. Uh, but the Yankees make these significant trades, and you know there was you know that Rizzo trade where they gave up um, Alexander Vizcaino and uh, Kevin Alcantara, uh, but you know those were like numbers ten and thirteen prospects. So uh, bringing it back whole for this Yankees organization, they bring in two guys, two left-handed bats, power hitters that they needed, giving a jolt to the lineup, and we've seen what Rizzo has done so far in his brief time with the Yankees. But they held on to their most significant prospects. 
So uh, I would I would applaud Brian Cashman for the work that he did during this trade deadline. The Yankees were not uh, the only team at uh, work. I think over 50 deals were done leading up to that trade deadline on the 31st at 4 p.m. One that really stood out to me that uh, impacts the New Hampshire Fisher Cats quite greatly was in the Jose Barrios deal going from the Twins to the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays traded away Austin Martin, one of their top prospects who after a slow start at AA really picked it up and their top pitching prospect Simeon Woods Richardson. Yeah, that was wild. I think that was the first trade. I mean, Look, there was the Max Scherzer deal um, that sent Scherzer and Trey Turner over to the Los Angeles Dodgers for a couple of big prospects, both of whom are going to skip Harrisburg and you know start off either in AAA or in the major league. So that doesn't really affect this league too much. Uh, but that was the trade, the Berrios trade, where it was like, whoa, this is, this is a day that we're, we're having here uh, because... Berrios, you know, he's under contract for next year as well. So they it's not a full-on rental. They have him for a year and a half. But Austin Martin is such a highly, you know, thought-of prospect. He was the number five draft pick out of Vanderbilt last year. And you mentioned it, you know, they had an aggressive assignment with Martin this year in starting him off at double-A for his professional debut. And he got off to a slow start, and the Patriots saw the Fisher Cats twice in the first month of the season, but he's really been playing well. Simeon Woods-Richardson has been in a number of different organizations now, but he is a tall, power-throwing righty. He's got a fastball in the upper 90s, a really nice curveball. Those were two significant prospects uh, leaving the Fisher Cats. And the way that affects Somerset, New Hampshire still has a ton of games left against the Portland Sea Dogs. And you can make an argument that New Hampshire is probably the best team that Portland plays on their schedule aside from Somerset. And New Hampshire has gotten significantly worse by losing Martin and Woods Richardson. I think the final deal as of note when it comes to teams in the AA Northeast League was a part of the Cubs who were absolutely selling house along with the Nationals. They'll, their deal uh, with Chris Bryant sending him over to the San Francisco Giants that included Richmond's Caleb Killian, a top pitcher who we saw here at TD Bank Ballpark. So Killian sent uh, over from the Richmond Flying Squirrels out to the uh, Chicago Cubs, but so much going on at this trade deadline. It was really exciting, and we certainly hope that uh, the Patriots have some reinforcements to kind of bolster that roster that had so many good pieces. I mean, that's such a big part of why they had a strong, especially first half of the season. Well, I think that's a really good segue into our farm report, which we will hear from the rest of the New York Yankees minor league affiliates when we return on the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. TD Bank is changing the game with curbside debit card replacement. Whether your debit card was lost in the couch or chewed up by your dog, they've got you covered. Just order a new debit card through the TD Bank app. Then you can walk, bike, or drive up to your nearby TD Bank to score your new card. Now that's the MVP treatment. TD Bank, proud sponsor of the Somerset Patriots. Member FDIC, TD Bank NA. Curbside pickup is only available for personal debit card replacements. In uncertain times, you need someone who has your back. That's why Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey Health Plans have the benefits you need. Telemedicine, so you can see a doctor anytime, anywhere. Mental health professionals available 24-7. Virtual ID cards and more on your phone. We'll help you find the plan that covers it all. Because everyone should feel like someone has their back. 
Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey is here when you need us most, now and always. It was another week that was thrown into chaos by Mother Nature for the Tampa Tarpons this week. The Tarpons were on the road, attempting to take on the Palm Beach Cardinals in a six-game series. Tuesday's game got rained out and then was rescheduled as part of a doubleheader on Wednesday. That doubleheader was also rained out. On Thursday, Tampa and Palm Beach tried to play another doubleheader and only got one game in. That was an 8-3 win for Tampa. On Friday, they finally played a doubleheader, which was swept by the Tarpons 7-3 in Game 1 and 6-2 in Game 2. And then on Saturday, no problems with the weather as the Tarpons won 9-4. In the game on Saturday night, Yankees number 2 prospect Clark Schmidt was making a rehab appearance, and he pitched very well for Tampa. The right-hander allowed only one hit and one run in three innings of work, issuing two walks and striking out four. It was a week thrown into chaos for Tampa, not only because of Mother Nature, but because of the trade deadline as well, with Trevor Hover, among others, being traded during the week. However, that didn't slow down Jason Dominguez, who has continued to reach base safely in every game he's played with the Tarpons so far. Everson Pereira hit two home runs, had five RBIs on the week for the Tarpons, while Eduardo Torrealba was one of the best offensive performers for Tampa, going four for nine at the plate in the first four games of the week, with also five runs batted in. Tampa tries to complete its series with Palm Beach on Sunday with a doubleheader. It's an 11 a.m. first pitch in Jupiter in game one, and then game two to take place about a half hour later. With this look at the Tarpons, I'm Joe Vasile. The Renegades returned to Dutchess Stadium after an 8-5 road trip to Wilmington and Aberdeen. They opened the series with the Wilmington Blue Rocks with a 5-4 loss on Tuesday night. Anthony Siegler homered twice in the loss. The Gades had an unforgettably forgettable Wednesday. They lost to the Blue Rocks 19-6, sleepwalking through the game as they discovered that both Ezekiel Duran and Josh Smith had been traded in the Joey Gallo deal. Anthony Volpe hit his first home run at Dutchess Stadium, but it was Kyle McDonald who put smiles on fans' faces, finishing off the ninth on the mound. Two. Swing and a miss! And McDonald runs off the field. <laughs> Pumping his fists a little bit. And hitting in the bottom of the nine. High fly ball to center. Moving back on it is Upshaw to the fence. It is right up against the fence. McDonald turns it second. He heads toward third. He's on his way and he stops with a triple. Shohei McDonald at third with nobody out. The Renegades won a more mundane affair on Thursday, 3-2. to two. Stellar defense by Volpe ended the contest the left side, grabbed at short, throw to second, ball game over! A dive by Anthony Volpe to his right, and he was able to spin around and get the out of Upshaw. Hudson Valley built up a 4-0 lead on Friday, backed by a moonshot home run from Josh Bro. On the way in a deep drive, a high fly ball to left. Will the ballpark hold it? Ryan Smith at the wall. It is gone! Wilmington used a five-run ninth and held off a comeback to win 6-5. 
Multimedia stars John Boy and Jake visited on Saturday to watch a seesaw battle that Chad Bell ended. And a swing and a drive to left center field. And that's got some distance on it. Back near the fence. It is gone! Chad Bell starts the light show. A drive to left center field. And the Renegades win it 5-4. The series wraps up on Sunday. The Gades head to Brooklyn for a week. That's your Renegades recap. I'm Rob Adams. It's been an average at best week for the Rail Riders. On the road taking on the Syracuse Mets, a team that they've got a 20-plus game lead in the division over. Heading into play on Sunday, scranton Wilkesbury has lost 3-1-2. The biggest story across the Yankees organization, of course, all of the trades completed this week by New York including a deal on Monday, sending Diego Castillo from Somerset and the Rail Riders Hoy Park to the Pittsburgh Pirates for right-handed pitcher Clay Holmes. Park was easily one of the team's MVPs this season for scranton Wilkesbury. The versatile utility man hit 327 with 10 home runs, 29 runs batted in, and 46 walks. When the trade was completed, he led AAA East in batting average, on-base percentage, and OPS. Rail Riders hitting coach Casey Dykes talked about how Hoy was able to accomplish that this year. I think it all starts with his ability to control the strike zone. Um, and, and that's something he always did. Um, every night it was, you know, if, if guys came to him in the zone, then he was going to get good swings off. And, and if they tried to pitch around him and then throw him strikes, he was going to take his walks, which I think that's where the, um, the expectation came is you just knew that you were going to get a good at bat. Just prior to the trade, we had the chance to catch up with Hoy and ask him about his big league debut. Uh, it was it was great. It was awesome, man. Uh, when I first came there, like I watching stadium, watching like Yankee fans. They're they're awesome. They're awesome, man. Um, I so I was uh, I I just learned from from them a lot, a lot, a lot of watching and playing uh, playing with them. I thought it was great. Maybe the biggest surprising change in Park's game this year: ten home runs with the Rail Riders and a home run with Somerset. Eleven. A new career best. I'm not a homer, a homer hitter, so uh, I don't try to hit a homer every time. But like, you know, I'm trying to hit it more harder, and I'm trying to make the make the good contact, and trying to be on time. And uh, if I do like on time and will like make a good contact, it's gonna be good happen. On Friday, Park was selected to go up to the Pittsburgh Pirates big league roster. With this look at the Rail Riders, I'm Adam Marco. So the Patriots welcome the Bowie Bay Sox into town, a six-game set here at TD Bank Ballpark to kick off a 12-game homestand. Portland Sea Dogs are on the back end of that one. But this week, first pitch Tuesday through Saturday at 7.05, Sunday at 5.05 start, and hopefully you'll join us at the ballpark. But if not, as always, you can tune in on the Voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC and WCTC AM. Dot com. Looking forward to a good one at the ballpark. But for this week's edition of the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast, that's it for Mark Schwartz. I'm Brandon Pelter saying so long and enjoy the week. Thank you for listening to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Each episode is aired on the Voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC and WCTCAM.com with online versions made available on podcast streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Please consider giving us a five-star rating if you enjoyed the show. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is written, hosted, and edited by me, Mark Schwartz. It is produced by Jack Myatt, Ginny Ott, and the entire team at 1450 WCTC. 